Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. This reading is Isaiah 58, 9 through 14. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If, we, if you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, If you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Jenny. Um, As I said before, we're looking at the prophets in the lectionary reading. There's four different passages you can choose from. There's a gospel, there's an epistle, there's a psalm, and there's an Old Testament reading. And we're in the the prophets. And last week, Jenna Daniels preached and just did a fantastic job. I encourage you to get the podcast if you weren't here or if you haven't heard it. Uh, And as I was sitting there listening, I thought, well, whatever the Isaiah passage is for next week, that's what I want to do. And so Isaiah 58 uh, is asking the question, essentially, what's it like to search for God but not find God? What's it like to search for God but not find God? And this is around 750 BC, which puts the children of Israel in the promised land. They've left Egypt They've wandered for 40 years, and they've spent time in the promised land, which is where you should be able to connect with God with freedom, right? Because in Egypt, they couldn't worship God the way they wanted to, but then they left Egypt and made it to the promised land, the place where you should be able to worship God with your full heart, soul, mind, and strength. But they find themselves in a place where it's not working. They're looking for God, but they're not finding God. And so um, 
I don't know why they started, the lectionary people who started this reading started in verse 9, really should start in verse 1, but I'll take it to verse 2, where we read, day after day, they seek me and delight to know in my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. And they say, why do we fast, God, but you don't see? Why do we humble ourselves, but you don't notice? So these are people that actually aren't rebellious and you know, throwing their fist at God. They want to connect with God. And they think they're doing all the right things so that they can connect with God. And yet... They're saying, why do we fast and God, you don't see us? Why do we humble ourselves and God, you don't notice? So the question for today is, what is it like to look for God and to think you're doing all the right things, but not find God? So let's throw out the first all-play question. All-play questions are designed to hear the voice of uh, I have said the chorus in the past, but it's really the melody, right? Because melody is different notes and coming together to make a beautiful sound. So the sound of the melody is better than the sound of the solo. It's time for you to just shout out your honest answers that may or may not be right. But what's it like to look for God and to think you're doing the right things, but to only find absence? What's that like? What does that feel like? Frustrating. Thanks, Anthony. I agree. Exhausting. Thanks, John. Uh, Yeah, it feels like being rejected. Absolutely. Thank you. Irritating. Yeah, Mitch. Absolutely. Now we're getting honest. Here we go. Yeah, right? Feels like, well, wait a minute. Like, I thought, you know, I'm going to church every week, I think, even though I don't totally love the preacher and Some of the people kind of bug me, to be honest, and the theology is a little shaky. I got to be honest. But I keep coming, and it doesn't seem like God is even paying attention. Any others? Hopeless? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Discouraging for sure. Yeah, it breeds doubt. Like, why? I mean, I'm supposed to be doing something for God to notice God, for God to notice me. But uh, if I'm not, if this doesn't work, then what does work? And is there a God in the first place? I think all those things are good questions. Well, Isaiah, again, that's the prophet that we're reading from. Uh, it's the Hebrew is Yeshaya, which means the salvation of God. And so that's what Isaiah means, salvation of God. And um, if we go to verse 6 and 7, we get to what God is trying to say back to the people. Like, this is why you're not finding me. So it's a really fascinating conversation that we usually don't get in real time. Usually, like, after years, you may sort of figure out. But in Isaiah, sort of because Isaiah is a prophet, and a prophet, the word prophet just means one who brings. So one who brings God's messages to people. So we get 
a, a fascinating back and forth. So in verses six and seven, which is again, not even part of the lectionary reading yet, um, I would take umbrage with the lectionary folks who started in verse nine. Uh, but God says this, is this, is, is not this the fast that I would choose that you would do? Here we go. To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own community? Not to hide yourself from your own community. And so um, it's fascinating because you can imagine, like, I'm doing, I'm fasting from Twitter, God, and you're still not showing up. I'm fasting for you, whatever it is that you're gonna fast from, that we, that's good to fast from, and you're expecting a quid pro quo relationship where God now gives you something because you've given up something and you're not getting what you should be getting. So God says, well, is not this the fast that I'm choosing? And then he, God, throws out a bunch of stuff to do, which doesn't sound like a fast. A fast usually is refraining from. So what, this is an all-play question, what kind of fast is it when you loose the bonds of injustice, undo the thongs of the yoke, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke, share bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house, see naked and cover them, and don't hide yourself from your own community? What, what are you giving up? Thanks, Greg. Living for yourself. Int you're giving up intentional blindness, Katie. Whoa. Yes, I totally agree. Giving up your comfort zone. Yep. Keep going. Now, actually stop. Now, when you, so, so, so be in this place, okay? Be in this place. The kind of fast I'm looking for is doing all these things. Now, what's the temptation to hear that as? Now, maybe you've lived, maybe you've lived for yourself, and then you hear these words. Now, what's the temptation to hear these new words? What's the temptation that you would now do? Yep. Well, if God said lose the bonds of the injustice, I'm going to work 24-7. I'm not going to do any self-care. I'm going to look at anything that I do for myself as bad and evil and wrong. I'm going to do everything for other people, and that's how I'm going to get God to notice me. What does that result in? Burnout. So, and it actually is the same. You end up hiding yourself from your community when all you do is, oh, I'm going to do for others. Now, it's not wrong to do for others. And it's also not wrong to practice self-care. But there's some complementary juxtaposition here, some combining of what seems like opposites that we're going to be looking for in community. Uh, so if we're going to loose the bonds of injustice without losing a sense of self, what is the one thing you need first? if you're going to do any of those things. Loosing the bonds of injustice. And let me just give you a big hint. Katie hinted at it. 
loosing the bonds of injustice, undoing the thongs of the yoke, letting the oppressed go free. And sorry, the word thongs just is in there. It's just is in the, you know, it's the straps. Let's just say straps. Undoing the straps of the yoke, letting the oppressed go free, break every yoke, share bread with the hungry, bring homeless poor into your house, see the naked and cover them, and don't hide yourself from your own kin. What's the one thing that you would need to do if you actually did want to do those things? What's the one thing you need? Not to do, what's the one thing you need? And Katie already said it. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. So if you're going to loose the bonds of the oppressed, you would have to see where oppression really is. Amen? If you want to challenge someone or some system that is being unjust, you would have to see what is unjust about that system. If you wanted to clothe a naked person, literally or metaphorically, you would need to see that person. To invite the homeless poor into your home, you would need to see a person. Does that make sense? Seeing before doing. This is what this entire passage, I think, is all about. So how do we learn to see? Let's let that be an all-quay. All-quay? Let's let that be an all-play question. How would you learn to see if you suddenly realized you couldn't see what you needed to see? Ask God for God's eyes. Yes, I agree. Move toward the oppressed. Thanks, Kara. Absolutely. Yeah, listen to stories. Thanks, Nate. I was with Nate one time a few years ago, and we were with someone who actually, I think, was oppressed. And I was annoyed by this person interrupting us. <laughs> Honestly. But Nate, we were having coffee. Nate just sat and asked her questions about herself. Remember that? And I was like, oh, yeah, this is how we do it. Having compassion, yeah. What does compassion mean, you guys? Because I totally agree, 100%, having compassion. What is compassion? Yes. And I think that's, per is that you, Mike? Did you say that, Mike? I think that's the perfect answer, if there is a perfect answer. Probably could say more. But being present. You're not solving a problem. You're not being something to someone that you can't be. You're being present. I had lunch with someone this week, and I noticed I put my keys down on the table. I put my phone down on the table. And then I looked over, and he absolutely did not have his phone on the table. And he was looking at me. That's a kindness in these days, isn't it? That's a kindness. Because, you know, you can make it through a lunch without your phone. Sometimes being compassionate is just that. It's like choosing. Being present is choosing. So how do we learn to see... Now we are in verse, now we are in the lectionary reading, verse 9. Uh, 
I'm going to read it to you of Isaiah 58. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, or God will say, here I am. Now, um, we're going to get to that word, here I am, and what that is in a second, but I want to give an example from the scriptures of what this really looks like, to learn to see by doing verse 9. So look again at verse 9. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and God will say, here I am. I'm going to invite you to consider that that's how you learn how to see, by doing that. So example comes from Exodus chapter 15. What's going on in Exodus chapter 15? Anybody know? In the life of the children of Israel, if in Isaiah they're in the promised land, where are they in Exodus chapter 15? Anyone know? They are in the wilderness. It's incredible. Uh, and where I'm going to pick it up, and thank you, Alicia, you're absolutely right. 100% right answer. 1,000 Torah points for you. Starting in verse 22, we read this. Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, which they had crossed over. So in this particular story I'm about to read you, they've just, literally just left the uh, just left Egypt. So they went, and when they left Egypt, they crossed through the Red Sea, miracle, crazy, nuts. Remember, I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? And then the very next thing we, now you're free. What does it feel like to be free? Yes! It's time to party. Miriam just sang a song. Uh, by the way, Miriam, it's called Then the Prophet Miriam, woman, prophet, Hebrew scriptures. Come on, women, bring the word from God. Even back then, okay, different sermon, but it always fits. Aaron's sister took a tambourine in her hand with all the women went out and went to the tambourines and dancing, singing, it's so great. And then we crossed through the Red Sea, we're free. The band was just kicked up. It's awesome. And this is the next thing or the first thing that happens to them when, when they're free. Here we go. Then they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Freedom. Where did they used to get their water? Egypt and the Nile. Egypt was a place with abundant water, abundant resources, the greatest place on planet Earth. People were breaking into Egypt to be there. They were, you know, illegally immigrating to Egypt because it was the place to be, the place where resources were, the place where abundant water was and food. And the Israelites were free by leaving the most abundant place on planet Earth. Now, that, that's another sermon for another time. But three days, no water, and when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. That's what Marah means, is bitter. And the people complained against Moses, the leader, saying, what shall we drink? Now, you're dying of thirst, literally. You haven't had any water for three, for three days. Maybe you packed some water. I hope you did, right? Maybe you had your, your camelbacks filled up, and, but they're empty by now. And you make it to water, and so I'm like, yes. And by the way, there's no signs. Like, there's no, like, now entering Mara. So you know it's bitter. The only way you know it's bitter is by 
tasting it. So can you imagine being so thirsty, you taste the water, it's bitter, and you're like, we're free, but life is awful. So what do you do? You complain. That's the way God intended people to do when they don't get what they need. And they complain to God? Nope. There is a leader that they could complain to. Isn't that awesome? It, wasn't it so loving of God to place leaders over people so that when life gets crappy, you can complain to that leader? And that leader will be compassionate, present, and if they're a good leader, she'll solve your problem. She'll get you what you need. Right? Oh, snap. And that's part of why the church, to be very honest, and I say church big C is in such a mess right now. Because leaders have bought into that lie that they're supposed to be everyone, be God to people, and people have bought into that lie. So it's a great relationship. Works really well when everything's going up and to the right. But when you have a problem and you've called that church your family, then it is messy, amen? It's so quiet in here. It's so fun, isn't it? I'm just, we're all in it together. We're, we're playing the same game, you guys. So, how do we see? This is really, really fascinating. Um, Moses, in verse 25, his response. Now, if you're the leader, for real, people are dying. You're three days into your new job as liberator of human race, but you're out of water. People are complaining because the water you did find, and you found it, you led them to it, was bitter. What do you do? Complain to God. And you know what? That's actually the right answer. Moses does the right thing by what he does, and he says, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Interesting. So now you're going to ask a bunch of questions like, how can water, you know, like chemically, what, how can that work? And oh my gosh, I don't get it. And what if, you know, maybe there's a deer carcass in the water, and how does all of a sudden it's not bitter and all that stuff? And you can ask those questions, and, and they're all great questions, and you should ask them. And there's another truth going on here. There's a, there's a big truth happening here. Remember, in Isaiah, in verse 9, we read, how do we learn how to see? Then we shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, or God will say, here I am. So we go back to Exodus 15. Moses is in a huge problem. So what does he do? He does Isaiah 58, verse 9, even though that's going to be in the future for Moses. And it's really fascinating in the Hebrew, when it says God showed Moses a piece of wood, how, how do you picture that? Moses is scanning the horizon. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then is it like a little piece of birch bark that's sitting on the ground, like with a little, you know, like note that says, throw me into the water. 
Jenny. Yes. Jenny's like, he had to have something to bang his head against. 100% yes. So in the Hebrew, it's Yehovah Yara Etz, which means literally God taught him tree. The word for wood is tree, actually. And the word for showed is actually teach, Yara. God taught Moses tree. Now, what is a tree? Yeah. Say it again, Greg. Grows from a seed. The resource, yep. Say it again. Yeah. It's air. It's a water retrieval system. Say it again. Yes. Now, you guys are answering such beautifully profound questions, or in a beautifully profound way, and they're all right, and it's beautiful. But if you asked a three-year-old, if you blindfolded a three-year-old who had never seen a tree before, and you brought that little three-year-old out to a forest and said, this is a tree, put your hand on it. And if that three-year-old had a sense of wonder and delight, what would that three-year-old do? Oh, like maybe it's alive. Maybe that tree can talk. Maybe it's an ant. Obscure Tolkien reference number one. My point is like, in order to see, we sometimes need to allow God to show us something familiar as if we're seeing it for the first time. This is your spouse. What would it mean for you, or those of you who are married, okay, then we'll move on from that boring topic in one second, for God to teach you spouse? Never forget Paulo Coelho, author of The Alchemist, He'd been married for a super long time, 30 years, and someone asked him, how do you stay married to the same woman for over 30 years? And he said, I don't. I haven't stayed married to the same woman for 30 years. She has become a different woman every day. Now, let's say you're not married, or you were married. What would it be like for God to say, for God to teach you self. Here you are after being married, after it having been ended. What would it be like to allow God to show you you for the first time since getting a divorce? If, you're, if we are going to see each other, oppression, injustice, ways in which we're hiding, I think we're going to have to allow 
God to show us things that are familiar in a way that we see them for the first time. Now, how do you do that? So this week, here's my invitation, a practice, a mindful practice. When you find yourself banging your head against a tree, and that tree could be your boss, could be the same stupid problem that has been plaguing you for years, whatever's frustrating, you're tempted to complain about it. And it's the familiar thing. It's the same thing. Here's the mindful practice. When you become aware that you're just seeing it the same way, what if you said, God, teach me tree. Teach me to see blank, this familiar thing, in a new way. And that, just that act of stopping and mindfully asking God to help you see something different, the more you do that, the more you will walk around like Jesus did. I think he saw things as if he were seeing them for for the first time all the time. Not because he was God, though I do believe he was, but because he had the ability to, thanks Mike, be present. So in closing, before we pray the prayers of confession, back in Isaiah 58, Between verse 7 and 8, there's this beautiful space. So verse 7, and again, is this not the fast that I choose for you? And then verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kind? And then verse 8 says, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. And I want you to imagine the space in between verse 7 and 8. Verse 7 ends, you know, don't hide yourself from your own community. When you see the naked, cover them. It's all these things that you could do. And then verse 8, then your light shall break forth from the dawn. I want you to ask yourself this week, how far apart are those two verses for you in your life? And what would it be like to not spend your whole life in verse 7? What would it be like to make it to verse 8? so that your light would shine forth like the dawn. And then, in verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord, who's always teaching us tree. That's why it's delightful. And God will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. God will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, and for the mouth of God has spoken. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If If you you find find yourself yourself nearby nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you have have any any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.